What's going on, everybody? How are you doing? You have made it back for another week with It Starts With Me. So we're glad to be able to bring this program from the Tenacity Foundation. And we've got a wonderful young lady that's going to be on the show today, Emily Crookston. She is amazing. Guarantee it. She's amazing and just brilliant. So first off, remember, this show, It Starts With Me, it happens every single Wednesday. 12.30 p.m. Eastern, we have a host of individuals that come and share their It Starts With Me uh, testimonies so that other people like myself and you as well are able to learn from the different things that have happened inside of their life and be able to excel. Now, on Mondays, my co-host in the Community Beacon has his own show. On Mondays, it's at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. All right. Michael Seville and Motivational Mike Mondays. This program is chock full of tips and tricks and things that he has done and he has learned to be able to excel his own present day and even move into his future. I love the way he breaks down things, complex things, into very small, bite-sized pieces so that we can digest and we can use them. So please check him out, Motivational Nights with Mike. That's on Mondays at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. You can reach him on Mike, uh, Mike Seville, okay? Michael Seville, YouTube. And then we close out the week on Fridays, and that will be with the Community Beacon, where Michael Seville and myself our host on this show, and our objective in the Community Beacon is to shine light on different things that have gone on in our lives and in the lives of others and the education that we've gained along this pathway to help people liberate their minds and become much more free inside their mind, their personality, their life, their finances. We intend to open up the door to that more free mindset so that people will have the opportunity to make choices that maybe they did not see before, but choices that will help them to become the best version of themselves and then excel. So we hope to see you there. That will be on the Tenacity Foundation YouTube. All right. 6.30 p.m. Eastern right here. All right. Let's go ahead and get Emily Crookston on this show. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the ghostwriter for Rebels, Renegades, and Mavericks. How you like that? It must be a writer to put that down. She helps experts who are long on ideas but short on time write business books. As the owner and decider of all things at the Pocket PhD, this is her business, Pocket PhD, right? Emily and her team collaborate with professionals and brands who are ready to take their LinkedIn networking to the next level. Together, they strategize and create content for LinkedIn based on their clients' goals. Emily is also a former philosophy professor. I told you she's brilliant. Speaker and podcast guest. Today, she's our guest. When she's not writing intensively, she's most likely practicing yoga intensely. I love that. She lives for coffee shops that play great music to write to and desserts 
topped with quote unquote real whipped cream. Please to the front, Emily. Hi, Joel. Hey, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. This is great. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad to have you here. It's so good to see you again. I enjoy you always. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what's been going on? How's your week or last month been going since uh, the last time I saw you? It's it's great. It's been busy and busy is good when you're in my business. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always, always happy to have lots of things to write and, and to work on. Um, I'm also looking at hiring another writer uh, next month. So that's been kind of top of mind, getting the job description written and getting you know all my ducks in a row for figuring out who I'm gonna hire. So yeah, that's what's new with me. That's pretty impressive. That's great. How many writers do you have now? Uh, I have a writing apprentice now and I'm looking to hire a senior writer. So I'll have two, two with me, yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Who gets the rights to be the ghost? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's part of the job description. You've got to want to be a ghostwriter because it, as we know, you know, not every writer wants to be a ghostwriter. Not every, as we were kind of talking about before we got on live, you know, ghostwriters, you might feel you don't get enough credit <laughs> for the for the work that you've written. Um, and so it's a, it's a different mindset, you know, from from being the, the one front and center. <laughs> wow. You know, that that has to take a whole lot of humility. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, for me, the hard part about writing has always been kind of coming up with the initial idea and in figuring out, you know, how I'm gonna structure this thing and, you know, what's the big idea that I'm really driving toward. So for me, it's a really a relief for the client to give me that big idea and to share that with me. And so it can be a really lovely, connection, you know, because they're giving, they're feeding me ideas. They don't have time to write them down. I'm taking those ideas and expanding them and building on them. Um, and then, you know, they get a great book in the end. And when it works well, it's, it's almost like, you know, I don't know what sentences I wrote or what sentences they wrote. It's, it's really kind of a mind meld <laughs> in the end. That's, that's awesome. I love the way you said that mind meld. So that's pretty cool. And I mean, obviously you're humble enough to kind of take that seat, but you also enjoy it. So it's not just about humility for you. It's also yeah. about your enjoyment. Yeah, totally. It's really fun to get into the sausage with someone and learn enough about their world to write an entire book and then, you know, pop back out. Like I just, I feel like that's almost a superpower uh, and it's really fun. And I think, you know, in the end, I could never write the books that I write by myself, you know, because I don't have the expertise and they could never write the book that we write by themselves because they don't have the time to put the writing, get the writing done. Um, so in the end, the book isn't, it's not, I don't ever feel like, oh, that's mine. You know, I wish I had credit for it because it really is a, a collaboration. It's a really collaborative project and process. That's beautiful. I think you explained that really well. Yeah. Excellent. So how did you get to this stage where you are now ghostwriting? Yeah, it's a great question. I think as with most ghostwriters, I didn't really set out to be a ghostwriter. That wasn't uh, the career I wanted when I was in fourth grade. And people said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, <laughs> it was more like, oh, I want to be a teacher. Um, but, you know, I, I 
I was in academia. I used to be a philosophy professor. That's why the name of the business is The Pocket PhD. I do have a PhD. Um, and I wasn't getting where I wanted to go in academia. I, I wasn't sort of achieving um, the, the, the goals that I set for myself um, in academia, you know, kind of the highest level to reach or one of the one of the big goals is to become tenured. Um, and that's a process that if you get on the, a tenure track job uh, can take about six years. You have to publish and you have to do all these things and meet all the requirements. Um, but then once you have tenure, you're sort of, you know, that's a permanent job. It's a, it's a situation that will last as long as you want it until you're ready to retire. Um, as long as circumstances <laughs> work out. Um, but I was, you know, I couldn't get on the tenure track. And so I was sort of stuck in one year positions and I was just tired of it. I felt like I, there was no room for advancement. Um, and I wasn't really, I wasn't really evolving into that role in the way that I wanted to. So I decided I was ready to quit and I gave myself a year to figure out what I was going to do next. And I thought, what did I want to do before I wanted to be a philosophy professor? And the answer was, well, I think I like marketing. When I was 13, I wanted to go into marketing. <laughs> so let's see, let's see if I can do that. And a friend of a friend happened to be looking for marketing help. And what she really needed was a ghost blogger. So I started writing her blog and she has a web development business. So she had clients who also needed blog posts. Um, and I started writing for them as well. Um, so that's how I sort of found my way to ghostwriting. Um, at some point, someone called me a ghostwriter and I said, oh, yeah, that's what I do. I'm not a content marketer. I'm not really a blogger, you know, because blogger, everyone thinks of a blogger as someone who sat in their parents' basement and wrote about um, video games or something back in the 90s. You know, So blogger never really felt right. Um, but yeah, once I hit on that ghostwriter name, a, a lot of things kind of fell into place. So that's interesting. So in the middle of, can I say it, dare I say it, the hamster wheel kind of lifestyle, you know, just kind of like going around in circles, you know, from one job to the next, all within the same realm mm -hmm. of what you believed you wanted to do, you realize, ah, it's time to get off of this wheel. Yep. Absolutely. I'm not doing what I'm passionate about. Yes. Yeah. So true. You know, I think when you start a career, you have all these preconceived notions about what it's going to be like. Um, and then often, so often when you get into it, you know, you start to realize, oh, there's all of this legwork. There's all of this grunt work. There's all of this stuff that I hadn't considered um, that I'm doing that I'm spending all my time doing. And I'm not doing really the things I really love so much. You know, I really love teaching and I do miss teaching students. Um, but, you know, I always tell people who are also in a similar place with academia that, you know, you can teach people every day outside of academia. I teach my clients. I teach my writing apprentice. You know, I, I teach in a lot of different ways uh, in this life. It's just not in the classroom. Um, and, and so you kind of, you can sort of start to see, you know, oh, these skills, maybe there's a way that I can apply them in a different way so that I can get back to that stuff that I'm most passionate about. So I can spend 80% of my time doing the things I love. Um, rather than, you know, 80% of my time on administrative stuff or in meetings or, you know, something like that. Hmm. That's, that's powerful right there. You had me thinking <laughs> about a whole lot of other things. <laughs> I was yeah. like, hmm. I, because I, the way that you speak, I can 
absolutely see you teaching the masses, you know, about <laughs> writing, you know, yeah. and how they can jumpstart their career. So mm -hmm. as a writer, I just think that that would be amazing. I love yeah. to be able to, I love to be able to explore that with you because I think that cool. you would yeah. just be absolutely phenomenal at that. Mm -hmm. So you're, you jump off this wheel and you're like, first off, where do you come up with these time frames? I mean, you're like fourth grade, 13 years old, in the basement, you know, you know, blogging about video games. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where any of it comes from. But yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons I was afraid to leave was just because I didn't know what else I could do. Um, and so once I kind of got comfortable and said, no, you know, I'm drawing a, li a line in the sand, I'm done. I'm going to give myself a year that gave me some time to save up some money, you know, it gave me some time to explore some options. I did a few informational interviews with people. I thought maybe I could go into maybe administrative work at the college, you know, things like that. Um, I, I looked into a little bit. Um, but then once I just kind of found that position, it was kind of like everything else just took over. I just kind of let, you know, I let, I let everything go and I just said, okay, let me just take this one day at a time and see where it leads. Um, and she, the, the person who took me on, I became her intern, uh, the person who, you know, helped me with all the ghost blogging stuff. She really, she was really the one who suggested, you know, you could start a business doing this. Um, and I thought, oh, that's, that's a thought, you know, because before I had been thinking, oh, I'll get, go to work at a marketing firm. Um, you know, I'll start, I'll start, I'll do some marketing in a marketing agency. Uh, but I didn't want a nine to five job. I really value that the flexibility with my time. That was one good thing about academia. I could decide when I wanted to teach my classes. Um, if I wanted to take an afternoon off, I pretty much had the freedom to do that. Um, I had the summers mainly to myself to do, do with as I wished. Um, and so I was really kind of upset about letting that go. And if I had to take, you know, a traditional nine to five job. Mm. Powerful, powerful. So right then in that moment, that was like your time. So this is, this is key, right? Because I love it when part of one of our antidotes begins to show up inside of the show, you know, time and chance and mm -hmm. how that affects people. You know, we all have a certain amount of time inside of our life and then there's opportunities that present themselves. So during this mindset shift of, Hey, listen, this is what I'm doing. That's not working out. I'm not passionate about it. So I'm going to shift over here, overcome my fear of not knowing what to do mm -hmm. or what I could do. So I'm going to save my money and I'm going to start exploring myself yeah. to see what it is that I'm good at, what I really mm -hmm. want to do. And then all of a sudden, somebody tells you what they think you're doing and you're like, light bulb. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes. It's so interesting the way, you know, I think these things happen because in my mind, I was like, just just give me the syllabus for starting a successful business. You know, I'm a good <laughs> student. I can do it. Just give me the class. I'll take the class and I'll have a good business, you know. But it just really doesn't work that way. You have to get really comfortable with the fact that you're kind of experimenting in a lot of ways. You know, that was one piece of advice I got early on, which really was another light bulb moment for me, which someone said, think of your business as an experiment. 
And suddenly it took a lot of pressure off because I was thinking, you know, I'm going to do all these things and then I'm going to get to whatever income level I'm, I'm looking for, you know, and it's just, it doesn't work exactly that way. You have to, you have to try different things. And I started to realize, you know, A, I'm not the kind of person who fails. I've, I, I took 10 years to get my PhD or whatever, you know, I was, I spent eight years in academia teaching. I've done a lot of things and I haven't failed very much. <laughs> and so I figured, you know, starting a business, it, you know, what are the odds that I'm going to fail? But then also I, it really took a different perspective on failure e itself, even, you know, what does it really mean to fail? Mm. Um, you know, okay, this month I want to get 10 sales and I only get nine. Is that a failure? I mean, uh, in a way, but also look at what I've learned getting those nine clients and maybe next month I could get 20, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, you can't always put a timeline on success. And I think that that's what happens when we say, you know, oh, I'm going to fail if, if X, Y, and Z doesn't happen. Um, but instead you can think of it as, okay, I needed more of a runway than I thought, <laughs> you know, to get to where I want to go. Um, you know, so, so can see if you start to think of it more as an experiment, then you put less pressure on those like failure moments or, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, that was a huge lesson to learn. And I think a really important mindset shift uh, for any business owner. Yeah, that's, and that's very powerful. It's profound, as a matter of fact, because, you know, I think that we're starting to live in an age where there's a lot of bright people that are not only, not only have they come to the conclusion, but they are making it public that failure is not necessarily, you know, you not accomplishing your goal, but failure truly doesn't happen until you stop reaching for that goal. Yeah. I think that makes a huge difference, you know? It's like I was just observing I was observing a movie or watching a little bit of the movie with my daughter, King Richard. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, I have. Yeah, with Will Smith, right? <laughs> yeah. And yes, so right. towards the end, I just caught the end of it because it was my break. That was when my break was. Yeah. And I was watching the end of it, and Venus is there. And spoiler alert for those of y'all who haven't seen it, she's there. And she loses this match and she is like bawling. And Richard Williams goes into, into the locker room and he speaks these words of encouragement. I mean, this deep felt emotional words of, of encouragement props to uh, Richard Williams, you know, and he says to his, his daughter, you know, that she just went up against this champion, you know? I mean, they grown, grown up in Compton and, you know, just went through all these different struggles to get where you are. And maybe you didn't win that match, but you made it and mm -hmm. you stood toe to toe and made her sweat. You did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are a winner. And you can't do anything less than walk out of this room with your head held up high because I'm proud of you. We're all proud of you. And you already did that. Now, come on. It's cold outside. <laughs> yeah. <Don't get> cold. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was so powerful. And mm -hmm. then next thing you know, they just, they don't show the rest of the story, but you know the story. We all know the story. Venus and Serena go on to become these great champions and people of renown. And then mm -hmm. 
it's in that small moment, you know, and that's what I hear you talking about is that very small moment. It's not necessarily about that moment, but right. it's about the mind shifting and mm -hmm. where you will be tomorrow because of how you internalize that small moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the more people talk about, you know, successful people talk about their failures, the more we can kind of normalize these moments. So, you know, we all talk about how online you only see the highlight reel of everyone's lives. You only see the, the best parts. You rarely see the moments where they're crying in bed for an hour, you know, or whatever. Um, people don't always talk about that, uh, that, those moments. But I think the more we do talk about those tough moments and how, you know, we move past them, I think, you know, it can help everybody. Um, anyone who's, you know, at the beginning of something or even, you know, toward the end of something, wherever you are in the journey, um, I think it's just helpful to realize, you know, I mean, people always say, the most successful people always say, you know, it's like the success to failure ratio ratio is like, you know, one to nine or something, you know, you're, you're failing 90% of the time, but that one idea that, that hits, that's, that's the thing you get known for, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's all about perspective. <laughs> yes. Perspective. It is, it is. That's, I mean, that's a great segue back into, you know, ghostwriting, right? Because I mean, that's that's what you're doing. You're helping somebody to put their perspective in writing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the first questions I ask my clients is, you know, what is the business case for your book? Um, what is what is this book going to do for you and your business? And, you know, that's about perspective, because I as much as you may want to write a book, if if it doesn't have a clear if you don't have a clear uh, return on the investment, then it really doesn't make sense to hire a ghostwriter. It doesn't make sense to pay someone to write your memoir if all you want to do with your memoir is share with your grandkids or <laughs> whatever. Um, I think you've got to have a clear case. It's got to be a good investment for you. Um, and, you know, the other thing is I always tell people, whether I'm writing blog posts for them or working on a book with them, you know, people want to read you for you. They, they don't want to read another generic uh, blog article about whatever your industry is, web development or, um, I don't know, plumbing. Right? They don't want to read another thing that they can Google. They want to read about your perspective. So always think in terms of your angle or your opinion. You know, what's your unique spin on this thing? So whenever, you know, that's a tip for content creation, whenever you're creating content think in terms of that. I, I love the question of, you know, as a kind of conversation starter or as an interview question, what's your die in a ditch belief? What's that thing that you are, you know, you would, you're willing to defend even if people pressed you on it a little bit, you know, even if they challenged you, what, what is that thing about your industry? Um, th then that's your thing. That's the thing you can talk about. That's your niche. Um, and, you know, I think it's a really beautiful thing when, you really discover that thing, that thing that really drives you, that, that gets you passionate. And you can share that with people who also appreciate uh, that, that perspective. Because there's so many people in this world, there's absolutely enough people that will support whatever it is that you're passionate about. I mean, what are we at? We're somewhere around 8 billion people in the world. 
you know, post pandemic, it's like, wow, these numbers are huge. Yeah. Yes. It's so true. And marketing people will tell you, you really only need a thousand true fans. <laughs> you, know? uh, you only need to reach a thousand people. And those people are out there. You know, I always, I think about um, competition among ghostwriters a lot. Uh, and, you know, because I want to, when I hire people, I really want to share everything with, about my business with them. But I also recognize that I could conceivably train a person in my business, in my writing, and they could take that and start their own ghostwriting business. Uh, quite, you know, it's quite possible. In fact, I would applaud that <laughs> if it happened, um, because I think, you know, there's there's so much writing to be done. There's there's so many clients out there in need, and you know, the people who I work with the best are not going to be the people you work with the best. I have to find my thousand people, my tribe, and you need to find yours. And there's not going to be that much overlap. <laughs> you no. know, so I don't worry about giving away all my secrets or, you know, <laughs> I don't worry. I don't like, I'm not up at night worrying about, oh, did that person get that per that client that I really wanted? You know, it's it never feels that way to me. It feels like abundance. You know, it feels like there's just tons of people out there needing writing, um, which is amazing. I think that's a beautiful mindset and you're 100% authentic with this. I love that. I love that. <laughs>